Chart Chat is a member of the Tiege.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tiege.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, September 9th, 2019. I'm Tanner Green, and you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. Caitlin and I had another one of those pesky scheduling conflicts going on. But for those of you that are hankering to hear her voice, fear not. She's making a bonus Alana Del Rey episode that should come out sometime around mid next week. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, bringing in another returning guest into the studio. We've got Martha Pullen here. How's it going, Martha? Good, Tanner. How are you? I'm doing dandy. Martha is, <laughs> in addition to a dear friend of both Caitlin and I's, I'm trying to remember your credentials. You've got a lot of credentials. I, you you I have know. a master's degree in music performance, horn? That's true. Correct? French yeah. horn performance, yes. Yep. So she plays horn. She plays bass also. She's been a long-running member of the punk and hardcore scene. I, you could say that, yeah. I guess, especially in the kind of 90s and early 2000s. Good old Burlington. Yes. Yes. Burlington, Vermont. Absolutely. Vermont hardcore represent. Always. But in the meantime, we're going to look over at these U.S. chart entries for this past week. And just up front, it's pretty much all Taylor Swift. I'll let you know if it's not, but we do start with it's nice to have a friend. And it debuts at number 92. And number 91, we've got Old Dominion with the song One Man Band. Back to Taylor Swift at number 89, where she debuts with Daylight. And number 87, we've got Summer Walker with the song Playing Games. And then it's all Taylor Swift from here on out. Number 77, 75, and 67, you've got False God, Afterglow, and Death by a Thousand Cuts. And number 63, Taylor Swift brings the Dixie Chicks back on board for the song Soon You'll Get Better. And then it's just solo Taylor Swift from here on out. Number 62, 57, and 51, you've got London Boy, Cornelia Street, I think he knows. Number 49, you've got Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. Number 45, you've got Paper Rings. And then three songs cracking the top 40 this week for Taylor Swift. At number 29, 28, and 23, you've got Cruel Summer, I Forgot That You Existed, and The Man. Even if we wanted to, we wouldn't really have a choice to not talk about Taylor Swift, her new album, Lover. It's here. It's, it's finally everywhere. here. It's in the air. Well, for our... It's in the groundwater. Ooh, sounds dangerous. <laughs> but this is Taylor Swift's seventh studio album and her sixth atop the charts. And it's the biggest album in the music industry in the United States since, uh, well, Taylor Swift's last album. In its first week of release, Lover notched 867,000 album equivalent units, which is the highest for any album since her previous album, Reputation, which hit 1.2 million units back in late 2017. So there's clearly a decline in raw sales figures there, which is, as many analysts have noted, part of the broader industry shift towards streaming away from physical sales or even digital sales. And at the same time, musically, Lover is making a very obvious hard shift away from the bleaker mood and imagery of reputation. And along with that shift, Max Martin and Shellback are both out as songwriting and production collaborators because Taylor Swift has chosen to more fully commit to working with Jack Antonoff, who I know Martha's going to talk about in a little bit because she's more of an expert on him than I am. But brief history of Taylor Swift and Jack Antonoff working together. 
first started working together on the 2014 album 1989 where Antonoff only contributed just two tracks it was out of the woods and I wish you would to compare Antonoff worked on 11 of lovers 18 tracks a pretty clear majority of this album was co-written and or co-produced with Jack Antonoff and this is where we bring Martha in feelings about Jack Antonoff both outside of this album and within this album well I've got to say I didn't necessarily connect the dots before um i'm certainly not a jack antonoff expert but i did read up on him a little bit after this album came out and um i i guess i was first introduced to him through his his solo project bleachers which is kind of an indie electro pop band i don't even know if that's the right word and i love bleachers there's two albums i think they're great they're not perfect but they're like you know, the first time I heard a Bleacher song, I was like, this is like someone made a song out of a John Hughes movie. And then I Googled it and it was like influenced by John Hughes movies. And I was like, oh, OK, well, that makes sense. Um, so if you grew up in the 80s like I did, you're just a sucker for that kind of romantic, expansive, catchy, little slightly emo music. And John Hughes being Breakfast Club. Yes. Uh, yeah. All those planes, trains and automobiles. Uh, I don't remember. Why did that pop in my head? I don't know. Just all those classic 80s movies. They're pretty much all John Hughes. Should we listen and to some Bleachers? Yeah. So my favorite Bleacher song is Everybody Lost Somebody. So this song has great, a great sax line, a great groove to it. Totally sing-alongable. And uh, I, think, I think you'll like it. I guess it's true. Yeah, the reason that I called you last night is the reason I've been standing on a wire. It's this dream I keep having where I'm begging just to give myself a break. Martha, is it weird that the first thing that came to mind was Bruce Springsteen? I don't think so. There's another song off. I think it's off the other album. I get the two albums mixed up because I listened to them both. But um, there's a song called Roller Coaster, and it's totally like, aha, had a baby with Bruce Springsteen. So, yeah, go listen to that. It's just unapologetically feel-good, epic, 80s-inspired music, and I enjoy it. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. And so how do you feel about how is it fair to say he's rolling some of that influence into his work with Taylor Swift on lover? Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I, I think there's a certain vibe to him that he brings to it. I don't, I don't, I wish I had more concrete, you know, ways to pinpoint that that's happening, but um, I don't know. He also worked on Lord's melodrama, which I, I really love that album. Took me a little while to get into it, but I love that album. I thought it was interesting too. He also co-wrote um, Sarah Bareilles' Brave which is not one of my favorite songs, but I that song was so gigantic and I didn't realize that, that was uh, they co-wrote that together. And that kind of makes sense maybe if you think about it in the context of fun as opposed to as yeah. opposed to bleachers. It's that more anthemic sort of... Right. So fun, um, I'm not a huge fan of them. I liked some of their songs. I really like that song, Carry On. And again, this kind of like big expansive epic, but he was their drummer. I really don't know how much he was involved in the writing of that music or whatnot. Yeah, I liked a couple fun songs, but then I sat down and tried to listen to an album and it was just kind of like, meh. Very charitable. 
think I've probably mentioned that I have a hard time with fun. <laughs> but I have an easier time with Lover. But before I babble about that, Martha, feelings on this album without giving it away or without me giving it away in the asking of the question. Um, I think overall it's a great pop album, obviously. Um, you know, I think, you, I mean, for me, from my point of view, you can't expect too much from a pop album, except that it makes you feel good and makes you want to sing along. And Spoken like a true punk. <laughs> so I, I think it's too long. I think there's some things that could be cut out for sure. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, 1989 had like 13 tracks. Reputation had 15. Now Lover has 18. Like, just slow your roll, Taylor. <laughs> we love you, but, you know, take it easy. But overall, I think there's there's a lot of, there's just a lot of good tracks. I was, I'm not going to say there's a lot of variety. I think the depth is somewhat limited as compared to Reputation, but it's still just a really fun album. I like that it's you know, kind of optimistic yet nostalgic and kind of, um, what's the word? There's a fair amount of disillusionment in it, even as it's romantic and sweet. So uh, it's a kind of a good balance. I think she's probably at that age where that makes sense. Especially coming on the tail end of having gone through the dark snake period of reputation, <laughs> which by all accounts, and if you go read, uh, she did an interview with someone for The Guardian speaking fairly candidly about how rough that period was for her sort of lining up with the, we'll say social media frenzy around her and Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, all the sort of blowback associated with that. And this album definitely has the feeling of sort of emerging on the other side of that, which you even get at the second half of reputation, yeah. which ends with new year's day. Right. In terms of tracks from lover, what do you want to, what do you want to listen to? So I, I know it's kind of a, a dark horse maybe, but um, one of my favorites is It's Nice to Have a Friend. Mm. It has these sweet little vignettes of a relationship kind of unfolding over time. I really like the, it has a harp, harp, steel drum, and these falsetto oohs um, that remind me of The Shins. Uh, you know that song, New Slang? Very reminiscent of that to me. And it's just, I, I tend to go for songs on, the al on an album that are the more kind of minimal, dark horse, quieter songs. There's even a trumpet solo in it that reminds me of the Beatles, Penny Lane. Mm. Um, so see, see if you can hear that. Something gave you the nerve to touch my hand. It's nice to have a friend. It's nice to have a friend. we talk about briefly how weird it is that that song comes right after me yes some of the transitions on this album are wild can we talk about me can we talk about me tanner let's talk about here, me right? talk about i number one oh my me my um Tim why why me why that song <laughs> all right and that's our discussion on me uh moving on to another <laughs> yeah it's not a good song uh but what is a good song Martha, you have another one you want to talk about more oh, briefly. So can I talk about two at the same time? Can I do that? Let's try it. So my other two favorites are The Archer and Lover. I think, I, you know, Lover being the title track, I just think it's really sweet and encapsulates the album really well, as does The Archer. They were both 
songs that Jack Antonoff produced. And um, let's say Lover. I know I read somewhere that people were comparing it to Mazzy Stars Fade Into You. I totally I understand why they say that, but I disagree. When I first heard it, I immediately thought like Jenny Lewis, Nico Case kind of kind of vibe, but very kind of because to me it was more like 60s girl group pop than it was like Mazzy Star has a, you know, like a grunge undercurrent. That's kind of a strong statement, but I'll stick to it. But that's also, that's also a reference point they draw on Paper Rings as well. The really? kind of 60s girl group, at least in my yeah, mind, like yeah. stylistically, yeah. Pa- Paper Rings to me was like a Dixie's chi- Dixie Chicks song met Weezer's If You're Wondering If I Want You To. Parentheses, I Want You To. I Want You To. <laughs> Do you hear that? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, let's actually listen to a little bit of Lover. Uh, first, kind of important note, uh, as of this recording just a couple days ago, it was announced that this is the new radio single that they're shipping off to Pop Radio, uh, which on one hand is a little surprising. It's pretty, it's pretty low key, but also but it's the title track. It's the title track, and also uh, even in the wake of this album, we're seeing a, a pretty substantial boost taking this song all the way up to number ten on the Hot 100. But uh, yeah, because I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Here's Lover. Have I known you 20 seconds or 20 years? Can I go? mentioned 60s girl groups and one of the things that was kind of jumping out at me as we were listening just now and a lot of that sort of 50s into 60s particularly slower doo-wop influenced songs you're going to have those piano triplets but in this it's not a piano it's a hand percussion it's like a tambourine or something like that and it's super distant so kind of an interesting way of paying homage to the past but also kind of twisting it but i don't know is there anything else you wanted to say about that song in particular no, it's just Besides, sweet. It's really catchy. sweet. I'm still sitting here swaying. Swaying. Very swayable. <laughs> just can't help it. Yeah. Very swayable. Yeah. I also really like her vocals in the verses. I wish she would sing like that a little bit more often. Kind of leaning into the breathiness. Yeah. Very or just a little sultry. bit more. Yeah. Like kind of, I know you're going to talk about False God later, but a little more like that. Yeah. Well, let me start paving that road to get to False God. So I promise I'll keep my soapbox to somewhat of a short duration that I remember way back in 2017 when this podcast was first getting off the ground back before we had tens of listeners and I was on my soapbox about how reputation was really good and in hindsight I think it's even better than I thought it was initially and I kind of hope the same thing happens with this album because I don't think it's nearly as good as reputation (laughs) Martha already kind of mentioned the fact that it's too long that's kind of typical for a lot of albums in the streaming age And I don't think an album necessarily has to have some sort of thematic or narrative coherence, but I definitely do kind of miss how clearly Reputation traced that arc from the first half being the villainy kind of stuff and then kind of mellowing out. 
But my bigger issue with Lover, I feel like a good third of this album is spent kind of desperately trying to rewrite the one song from Reputation that had any sort of commercial longevity, at least on radio. So to show what I mean, I want to run through the singles from Reputation. Specifically, I want to run through their chart runs on the radio songs chart. So you got Look What You Made Me Do, first single. Peaked at number five, spent 10 weeks on the radio songs chart. Next up, you got Ready For It, which peaked at number 17, spent nine weeks on the chart. You got Endgame, the song with Future and uh, Ed Sheeran, peaked at number 15, spent 11 weeks. And then Delicate, peaked at number two, and spent 32 weeks on the radio songs chart. Delicate is the one song from Reputation that radio really latched onto in a way that they did not some of the more abrasive songs from Reputation. And before showing some examples that kind of jumped out to me of Lover trying to chase the success of Delicate, let's refresh our memory of that song. And I want to kind of flag for your attention in particular, the way the melody so frequently repeats a single note. So multiple elements from Delicate crop up in multiple songs on Lover in very apparent ways that because of their frequency, I find kind of wearying. You've got the vocoder that crops up on multiple songs. You've got the rhythmic patterns of the melody. And as I mentioned earlier, what I find most frustrating is how many of the songs here kind of overuse that melodic repetition. Running through some short clips of songs on Lover, you find melodies that heavily rely on one note in a way very reminiscent of Delicate in Cruel Summer. It's also in I Think He Knows. His footprints on the sidewalk lead to where I can't stop. Go there every night. I think he knows his hands around a cold glass make me wanna know that body like it's mine. And we talked about False God, or we mentioned it. And I will say, actually, I think False God is a lot better than the past two songs that we heard. It's, <laughs> and it's a little timbrally different. The saxophone is really mm. cool, but you do yeah. still hear a kind of similar figure. And while Cornelia Street has at least a little more melodic difference in variety, the key's the same, the harmonies are super close, and uh, my instinct was, oh, I should try to mash these up, and I looked it up, and lo and behold, they're already... <laughs> Plenty of mashups of Delicate and Cornelia Street if you look on YouTube. We were in the backseat, drunk on something stronger than the drinks in the bar. I rent a place on Cornelia Street, I sit casually in the car. And so one or two of these quasi-remakes would be totally fine. You know, people kind of remake and retweak songs all the time. That's what pop does. I mean... Admittedly, I don't think any of these sort of quasi-remakes are as good as Delicate, but at some point they just kind of become redundant. And then if you combine that redundancy with the sort of banality of singles like Me or You Need to Calm Down, and there's just 
there are really good songs here, but there aren't enough of them for me. And it's especially ironic because Delicate was actually one of the Max Martin and Shellback songs off of Reputation. It wasn't a Jack Antonoff, but it's now Jack Antonoff chasing the success of that track. It's a weird sort of irony there. There are other frustrations I have with this album. I think there's kind of an over-reliance on that upwards Yelp. I am an architect. I'm drawing up the plans. That sort of thing. I find that a little much. I think there are a little too many songs that revolve around a really apparent transition from the tonic to the minor six. Again, super common chord progression, but it's really clearly foregrounded in a lot of the keyboard parts on this album in a way I find kind of frustrating. Martha, am I being too grumpy about all this? This is where you can call me a crank <coughs> if, you, if you so desire. You can stand I don't in know, for the I audience. don't know if you're being too grumpy or not. I just It's not my job to analyze pop music, so I don't... S- spend that much time analyzing it so from that perspective you know maybe you're totally fine i just don't expect that much from from my pop albums so it's good to me i i do think you know i've thought about this though i do think reputation is better um yeah but love i don't know i mean lover i could i could take off probably good five songs that are just forgettable yeah and some of them are just good solid pop songs doesn't mean they're amazing that's how I feel about like Cruel Summer or something like that. Like it's yeah. fine. Like Cruel yeah. Summer's totally fine. Like it's not a bad song right. by any stretch. So are you being too grumpy? Maybe. Maybe nitpicking. It wouldn't be the bit. first time. Yeah. But you're not wrong either. I don't know. It's kind of a toss up. A little bit. Should we end on a positive note? I want to end on a positive <laughs> note. Yes. I feel like that's very in the spirit of this podcast. Um, and in this album. And in the spirit of this album. Very mm. true. I mean, you mentioned the Dixie Chicks. They do show up on Soon You'll Get Better, which is just gorgeous. It's a yes. moving country collaboration and a lyrical sort of ode or depiction of Taylor Swift's mother's health scares, I believe, with cancer. We were gushing sort of you and I about Death by a Thousand Cuts earlier, which is Swift. No, and, oh. no, no, that never happened, Tanner. Okay, I maybe, don't like that song. You don't like that? I don't oh. like the piano. It's very, who's that? Um, making my way downtown. Who's that girl? I don't, I don't like that song. Oh, we're going to have a fight. <laughs> no, we're not going to fight. I'm just going to play a clip of it. All right, let me correct the record. It was me that was gushing about Death by a Thousand Cuts. Yes, but I do cool like the guitars. bridge, as we were just saying. And, um, you know, I like I like trying to find a part of me that you didn't touch. That's a really good line. Yeah. Yeah. And if we also want some really good lines, let's go to a song that I do know that we both love. Yes. My personal favorite. Man, the song is so good. You know I adore you. I'm crazy for you. Then I was at 16, lost in a film scene. Waving homecoming queens, marching band playing. I'm lost in the lights. American glory faded before me. Now I'm feeling hopeless. Ripped up my prom dress, running through rose thorns. I saw the scoreboard and ran for my life. No cameras catch my pageant smile.
I hate to cut that short. Martha and I were <laughs> I both. Know, I, I was headbanging to that. that I love everything about that song. Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. I just, it's so good. Lyrically, there's a kind of interesting comparison or parallel drawing on high school imagery, prom dresses, uh, voting for most likely to X, comparing sort of high school pettiness to the state of the nation. The melody gets down into Swift's husky kind of lower register in the verses. Which I really like. Very yeah. into that. The chorus has this sort of grandiose drama that for me, I think of Halsey mm. with a song like that. I know people have talked about Lana Del Rey and maybe that's part of why Caitlin doesn't like the song because she prefers <laughs> Lana Del Rey. But I hear Halsey a lot in this uh, in this chorus. Maybe for the sake of time, I won't play a clip, but uh, the, the track Nightmare kind of mm. crops to mind. I'll probably force you to listen to it after we finish recording here. But the best part the keyboard in that chorus mm. as if the chorus didn't have enough sort of smoldering like rhythmic momentum right you have the chorus that repeats once the first time it shows up and then the second time that oh, that keyboard comes in <laughs> martha what what's jumping at, at you about this song that you like? um i don't know i like the i don't know what else to call them the gang vocals in the background <laughs> yeah the like cheerleading yes oh, okay um i like that it reminds it's something reminiscent you know remember that song toy soldiers i can't remember who sang it from like early 90s maybe like toy soldiers i vaguely know what you're talking about yeah um yeah i normally don't go for the like the minor song or the darker song on a pop album but this is just so well written so well written um i love the bridge the bridge is just so good it's kind of the apex of incorporating those like kind of go yeah. fight let's listen to the bridge real quick dig it it's so good yeah it's really it's really a fantastic mm -hmm. song yeah martha thank you so much for coming into the studio i'm so glad we got Thanks to talk about this me. album this was wonderful <laughs> it was so much fun <sighs> i just want to listen to that song on loop now we can after this all right that sounds good thank you all out there for listening to chart chat if you want to listen to all this past week's chart debuts check out a spotify playlist in the show notes it's basically just this album and also summer walker once again summer walker keep an eye on her she's pretty cool if you have any questions, feedback, corrections, get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. If you want to check us out on social media, find us on Twitter and Instagram at chartchatcast. Thanks to Coronation Media for our cover art and intro theme. Thanks to Teej.fm for having us on the network. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J.fm. Once again, stay tuned for Caitlin's bonus Lana Del Rey episode coming in the middle of this week. But until then, I'm Tanner Green, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>